Well, amen. A vision. Uh, do you know one of the first ever Mennonite missionaries was a Mennonite woman who um, <clears throat> went from Pennsylvania to India and there established the first ever school in northern India as a missionary. Amazing story. She came back on the Titanic, so it didn't quite end so well. Uh, but... Um, well, it did because she preached the gospel. And if you know the story of what happened there, it was incredible. But the, the vision and the desire to push in and go for God is immense. And so let's, let's pray. And why did I really want Kathleen to share? Is it just because it's a good story? Well, you know, it's a remarkable story. But she has a vision to do something. And God unsuspectingly came into her life and said, Now I'm going to lead you and I'm going to guide you. Um, but, but you may feel, well, what, what does one go through when one has a v- dream? Because some of you have had dreams before the Lord and you feel like those dreams have been shattered. You feel as if things have gone wrong. And the life of Joseph has things for us to be taught this morning. And this is what I want to teach you. Because I want you to go away knowing that even though you may have a dream and it's not going as well as you thought, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. God is with his people. He loves you. He cares for you. And he's interested in you. Let's, uh, Genesis chapter 37, if you've got your Bibles, and verse 3. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. He made an ornate robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. Now, what you'll notice is, is that Jacob wasn't a very good father here. Don't use the fathering techniques of Jacob. Could not, he could not speak a kind word to him. And Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen. I love this line. It's like the youngest son with his nice new robe. Sells his brothers, he's full of optimism, he's, he's a positive thinker, he thinks everybody loves him. That's because his dad's told him, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the fields and suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. That's a great dream, isn't it? His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Maybe. Will you actually rule us? I think so. And they hated him all the more. How to win friends and influence people. And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Have you ever set out in life with lots of optimism and thought, I'm doing the right thing, but, but when you did the right thing, it went really badly? 
I'm sure some of you experienced that. You thought you'd give good advice and you got involved in a situation to be involved in this and suddenly this bad advice threw you into a complete frenzy and and all of a sudden you found that what your good intentions turned out rather badly. Well, it seems that Joseph has very good intentions. If you did a character profile of Joseph, it seems that he was optimistic. He seems he was a handsome young man. It seems he was a good communicator. It seems that he was well-liked by lots of people apart from his siblings. How many of us have been there? I was that sibling. My brother, you know... um, was not always impressed with me. I'll be honest, we're, we're great friends now. But, you know, I was the older brother uh, that was the pain in the neck. And always talking, always chatting, saying nothing's changed there. And, and so on and so forth. So, so it went wrong. And he's given a coat. He's, he's an ornate coat, a glorious coat. This has been... Um, Dramatized with musicals and films and the great story of the Technicolor coat and, 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 and songs. And we know the story of Joseph. The whole of society knows the story of Joseph. And what an insult to the, um, to the brothers. I mean, basically, Jacob was a bad father. I mean, you can't. You know, he's a patriarch, but he is not the best father in the world. It's like he went to all his sons. He said, hey, sons, you've all passed your driving test. You now got your N. And guys, you can drive the Dodge van around. You know the little Dodge van? The one that's brown, that's unflattering color, that makes it look like something we shouldn't talk about, that the goats do. There it is for you. And you can drive around in this little Dodge van. There you go. There you, yeah, I, no, I know it's an eight-seater, but some of you can get on the roof. And Joseph, here you are. Here's a BMW convertible. God bless you, my lovely son. And they hated him even more. They hated him even more. And the problem is is that actually in reality, this dream did earmark Joseph for greatness. He was earmarked to become a great ruler. And this dream of the sheaves of corn, this this dream of the, the moon and the stars and the connection and where he will end up here... God speaks to him in a dream and here at the end of the story, we understand how it's going to work out. But between here, the precocious, ill-mannered, difficult, self-centered, outspoken Joseph, who thought the world revolved around him, God gave him a dream, but he didn't know what to do with that until one day he stands as the second most powerful man in the world, leading a superpower of the time. Egypt was like the United States is today. Egypt was one of three mighty superpowers in the world, and he rises to that point of being the prime minister of Egypt, but that journey was one of disappointment. It was one of pain. It was one of difficulty. I mean, in these early days, we know he's motivated by ego. He's motivated, probably, he had this dream and he felt pretty good about himself. 
And because he felt pretty good about himself, he became incredibly irritating to his siblings. What is happening here? Well, first of all, the gifting is right. He's got a gift. Undoubtedly, Joseph had a God-given gift. And he was going to be used to save a nation. A nation would be established. And out of that nation would come a savior. And that savior would be the hope of the world. But you know, right here, what we understand is his gifting here. But his gifting and character haven't joined together. And of course, he probably loved the dream. It worked with his ego, his desire, his, his, his sense of, of entitlement at that point in his life. And when we get dreams from the Lord, what often happens is that we understand that often our gifts are present But our character has to change and develop so God can can, uh, achieve what he wants to do in life. In other words, what we say, yes, we may have gifts, but character is king. Yes, I may have ability, but character is everything. And within our lives, what we see is a journey of a man that has been given a mighty dream. He doesn't understand it and he doesn't know what he's going to engage in and what's going to happen into him. But through the process... He's going to go from a gifted, egocentric, selfish young man who is opinionated and so on. And God's going to transform his life to be a mighty saviour of his family and to be a great leader in Egypt. And if you want to be used by the Lord and you want the Lord to take hold of you, what one must realise is, is that God's going to do surgery on your character. I mean, you should have met me. When I was 18, really, I thought I was going to be Billy Graham. I was precocious. I used to preach in the little brethren church I got saved. And, and, and I'm sure that there were lots of people that were incredibly irritated by me. And you say, what's well, changed? But <laughs> we're, we're irritated because gifting was present, enthusiasm was real, but humility and a heart for God and a radical prayer life and a broken spirit and a a sense of God's closeness, I had to learn that through difficult days. And he's on that journey. He has to go through that journey of refinement. So if you've got a vision, what happens in that vision? Well, there are a number of stages Stage number one, we understand that Joseph faced unexpected problems. Now you would think that because he's received two phenomenal prophetic visions and dreams that he's understood and he's engaged in, that therefore God is with him and he will not have any problems. It's all going to go smoothly and it's going to run perfectly. What this story tells us is that even though he was immensely gifted, he did not know the plan that God had for him. Even though he heard from the throne of God himself, he did not know what would take place and problems would come before him. And when you have a God-given dream, problems will still come. Problems that you were not expecting. He's got a problem. Well, first of all, he's got a K. 
character problem. Secondly, he's got a relationship problem with siblings. Thirdly, they hate him, hate him and hate him. That when he does his father's bidding, which was wonderful, his father says, go, go and find your siblings and see how they are and visit them. And he goes, yes, daddy. And off he goes and and they stand there and they see him coming from a distance. Unlike the story of the prodigal son, where the father looked at a distance and had compassion for him. They said, oh, look, here comes the dreamer. Oh, we'll get him. And so he was unexpected problems. And he found himself in that position. And what you discover is God gives you a vision for what he wants to use in your life. But what we don't expect is because we've had a spiritual moment of revelation, we don't expect that things are not going to go to plan. But let me tell you, God has the plan. And part of faith is even when we're unexpected problems, God is not going to forsake us. He's not going to lead us. For some of you, you've had a mighty moment with God and you've got a dream. But some of you are disappointed because it's not going to your plan. And even though Kathleen talks about the moment where God says to her, build a school, she is going to face, and this isn't a prophecy, it's reality, She's going to face unexpected problems every step of the way. And you're going to turn around and you're going to say, well, I did not expect that to happen. What's going on? You see, you can have a hyper glorious spiritual experience with the Lord, but still unexpected problems do happen. Why? Character's king. He's on a journey. And he's got to go through the journey to be ready to become one of the most powerful men in the world. And God's going to take him on this journey. You see, it was the Lord came down to Joseph and he pointed at his weaknesses. And God placed his finger on Joseph's weaknesses. He saw spot. He saw what needed to change. He saw what needed to be refined. He saw how this great, gifted, handsome 17-year-old would go on a journey to become this mighty leader. But in the process of that journey, the Lord wanted to deal with the difficulties of the character. He wanted to deal with the way that he thought, the way that he acted. He wanted to refine him. We're no different. Jesus gives us a vision and a calling in our lives, but Jesus wants to work on our character. He wants to deal with our negativity. He wants us to, to engage in him. And as I've said many times, he will make our lives uncomfortable until we yield our characters to Christ. And he's going to go through this. You've got a dream and a vision, but the truth is this. Until you're willing to submit your character to the Lord completely and work it out, then then, then it can be bumpy. He's got this dream, but those closest to him let him down. Number three, Joseph was let down by those closest to him. And very often what we do face is that when we're on a journey, it is those who we do not expect that let us down. 
You think, well, these people should be encouraging me. They should be helping me. They should be saying, cheering me on. What a good vision I've got. But suddenly the opposition came from his brothers. The opposition came from their attitude. The opposition came from their anger and their deep-seated resentment. And often what happens is that we can feel very discouraged when we have a dream and it goes badly and people around us let us down. Can I encourage you? That people will always let us down. Those two conversation doors don't go together. Can I encourage you that people let you down? We do. Can I encourage you, as Pastor Glenn said last week, you'll never find the perfect church. You'll never find the perfect pastor. Apart from here. Anywhere. <laughs> Nonsense. I'm, God's going to put his finger on that sore point. But, but you, you, you know, people fail us. Our expectations for what God breathes in our heart shouldn't be rooted in trusting people. It always has to be rooted in faith in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when we root in Jesus, we can love everybody else. Yes, they're on the journey with us. His brothers, Reuben, was, was more positive, more helpful. He, tr- he avoided Joseph from being murdered. But we can be let down. Being let down is part of the human existence. Forgiving is the way of success and blessing. Letting go of people and letting them out of the prisons you construct is the way to move forward. Forgive, allow the Lord to heal, move on. Because nobody can rob you of the dream that God has given you. And sometimes you feel like you're irrelevant but, God, but you are not to be robbed of that dream that the Lord has given you, the dream for your family. Now, we don't always have dreams, say, to build a school in Africa. This is immense. Um, but we have dreams. We have dreams for, to disciple our family. We have dreams for our marriages. We have dreams to serve in our local church. And wasn't that beautiful with those, uh, the, that film of our, of our kids camp, K uh, all the way to grade four. Those, they're gorgeous little ones clapping. But what encouraged me was to see our membership there teaching stories, engaging, holding kids' hands. I just wanted to jump up and down and say, this is the best church ever. Look at that. People doing it. I don't know what your vision is or your dream, but, but don't let anybody rob it from you of what God's called you to do and the way God is talking to you. And when we understand that, um, when you have a dream, people let you down. Joseph got to a point, however, where there was absolutely nowhere to turn. Joseph ended up in the pit. He went to see his brothers. They greeted him. They... They jumped on him, they tuck him, and he's probably saying, hey, lads, good to see you. Dad says, hi, I've got my coat on. Don't, don't mess my coat up. Take his coat off, throw him in the cistern, throw him in the pit. He's going, okay, guys, joke's over. <laughs> That's good. Darkness. He's began a journey. He doesn't know where this journey is going to take him. He's had a mighty vision, but now he's in the pit. He's in darkness. This is not the way the plan should work. 
He's going to be, perhaps in his mind, a mighty regional leader in the land. He's going to rise up and become the leader of the family. And that family is going to continue to grow. And maybe he had lots of ideas of how it would really work out. But his ideas were certainly not God's plan. And now he's in the pit. You know when you're in the pit, you've got nowhere to turn. You're trapped. You feel as if you're the end of the road. You feel as if there's nowhere to go. You feel so dreadfully alone. You feel so dreadfully broken. And you feel like the world has thrown you in that place. Even God you feel. And you feel there is no... Some of you have experienced that. Oh, you got married and it was a glorious day. But you never expected it to turn out this way. You started that company and it ran well for years, but you never expected the pain that would come with economic recession. You expected that you would serve in a local church, that you would be uh, active, maybe called for ministry. And yet when you got involved in that local church, it became toxic and it hurt you and it left you wounded and you feel like you're in the pit. You had many years planned out for your life. And yet the one that you loved so close, grief came. Illness came. Death came. You didn't want this. You didn't expect it. But it came. And you're in the pit. And there's nowhere to turn. People around you have seemed to have abandoned you. When you're in the pit... And you're all alone, and it's dark and cold. This is what happens. You can either choose to die in your own anger, resentment, and pain, or you can choose to put your confidence fully in God, your Lord. Because every one of us has been in the pit in some way. Every one of us has faced the hardest of times, like Joseph, in all the ramifications. But somewhere in this journey, Joseph made a switch where he said, if God spoke to me and God reached me and God touched me as a 17-year-old, somewhere in the journey, Joseph put his confidence in God. How about you? You're in the pit right now. Put your confidence in God. Put your confidence in God for the future. Hold on to him and let that confidence be ready for you and allow it to take place in such a glorious way. Um, But it gets to the point of no return in this journey. He's there. He's battling He's got problems and suddenly the Midianites turn up. But he doesn't know this. And he looks up and the, and the light shines in. The brothers look down. He goes, hey, the joke's over. Woo, that was funny, brothers. <laughs> I'm not going to come and visit them again. Note to self, don't be optimistic about your older brothers and go off wondering when your father sends you. Just ignore them. When I was in that field and I said, where are they? And somebody said, You know, they're over here, they've moved. I should have gone, oh, I can't find them. I'm going back to dad's house. 
But it gets worse. They drag him out. They fake his death. They sell him into slavery. And he ends up going into slavery. A shattered dream. He probably had the thought that the dream was this. And yet God had a far bigger dream. But he had to travel through the dark times to reach the dream. And something must have happened where Joseph is learning to gain his joy from God alone. See, when everything else is removed, and you know that because you've got nowhere else to trust, then your only joy, your only strength, your only power is in God alone in your life. God alone. That's it. You see, if you look forward, and after the uh, Judah and Tamar story, is that, the, the, that the, in, in chapter 39, the Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered, and he lived in the house of an Egyptian master. And when his master saw the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Everything he did. But the key phrase for the change in Joseph's life was simply this, the Lord was with Joseph. And can I say that you may have felt the pain of broken family. You may have felt the pain of being in a pit, whether it's a pit of dependency, uh, addiction, whether it's a pit of broken relationships, whether you have experienced shattered dreams. Let me tell you something. When the Lord is with you, the Lord can rebuild your life. When the Lord is with you, the Lord has a plan to bless you. When the Lord is with you, even though it has not turned out the way that you expected, God can do amazing things in your life if you learn to put your joy in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords alone. That's the way. And so experience this. Oh, it's not without problems. Because every shattered dream and every dream in process of God bringing about his plan through the bumpy ups and downs, highs and lows of life is that we will face temptation. The temptation came to Joseph. And we will face temptation. Temptation to give up. Temptation to become bitter. Temptation to allow anger to rule us. Temptation to become crippled by regrets. Temptation sexually for Joseph. He was so managerial. He was clearly gifted. He was so administrative minded that the slave that was taken into the house of the Egyptian rose to the top because he was handsome, because he was articulate, because of all those things that, that annoyed the brothers became significant in his life in Egypt. All the things that were an irritation here became enhanced as gifts and abilities. But do you think he cared about managing Potiphar's house? Do you think that's what he thought about. I've made it now. I'll, I'll send a letter back to, to Jacob, my father, and say, I, I am a great man. I am a slave in an Egyptian officer's house, and I'm running the whole of the house. Aren't I good? No, that wouldn't have impressed him. 
That wasn't exciting. What excited him was one day God gave him a dream that he would be a mighty ruler and a great leader that would affect nations. But he was there and temptation came. Sexual temptation. Potiphar's wife thought, well, he's doing every other job around the house. He might as well have an affair with me. Sex comes as a temptation. Sex is a real temptation. The the, the pressure of of, of repelling an affair, of choosing purity over uh, engaging in sexual relationships. Oh, he could have justified it. So nobody cares about me. My family have abandoned me. Nobody loves me. And here I've got a little bit of comfort from this lovely Egyptian lady who just wants to comfort me. But if he'd given in to temptation, it could have changed the whole of the story. We face temptation, temptation to become self-consumed, temptation to become, to, to put our trust in other things, what we have, in our, our education even, temptation of giving up our faith in Christ and putting it in other philosophies and other ideas. Temptation will come to all of us, but we have to choose to say one word and say it three times. No, no, no. You have the power to resist temptation. You have the power to look at that issue and go, no, no, no. And then if no isn't working, you have the legs to keep running. And you say, why do you run marathons, Pastor Phil? Because I need to say no, 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 right? So I need to keep fit. You've got to keep fit. But temptation will come. The temptation to give up. The temptation to say it's too hard. The temptation to say, I'm just now a slave. Don't give up on what God has planted in your heart. But you may say, my past disqualifies me. The shame of my past. Well, he becomes prime minister. And we know what happens with politicians and their past, don't we? We know allegations will come to the surface. We're about to watch and engage in possibly the most aggressive, toxic presidential elections in American history since Nixon. And we're going to watch this. They're going to drag everything up. They... uh, you know, and I dare not get into politics here. But you know what's going to happen. But Joseph's allegations did not mean it was over. Do you know, in the whole of the story, the allegation of being a rapist, the allegations of pushing himself on Potiphar's wife, it seems it was never put right. That past shame was present But that past shame, that accusation did not stop the vision of God in a life. And I want to tell you something. You may be crippled and unable to move forward because of what people have said about you or the mistakes you have made or even that you failed, but you want to get so back online. Can I tell you? That in God's grace, in God's love, your failure does not equal that you are disqualified from the race. 
A bad mark on your past does not mean the end of your dream. It means that you have to push in to God. It means you have to find grace and forgiveness. It means you have to let the Lord deal with your character. It means that you have to put things right and work really hard. But God's not finished with any of us until the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise and you receive a new body and you are crowned in this glory and honor with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on his return. He's not finished with any of you. And you may be carrying shame and the battle of this. But I want to tell you that the gospel of Jesus frees you of all shame. That the gospel of Jesus forgives you. That the love of God redeems you. And your plan hasn't gone exactly right. Your dream has been crushed. (laughs) It's not over. Unless you decide it's over. He could have just said, I've finished. At any stage of the journey, he could have given up. But he becomes the most amazing individual. To the point, the last words he says, my dear brothers, I'm dying. Family, take my bones and take them back to the promised land. Wow. And always trusting God. Take my bones. Do you know what that talks of? It talks of an echo of something great that's going to happen. That one day a man would be born. His name Jesus. He would die on a cross and be laid in a grave. And they expected his bones to just be there forever. But on the third day he rose again. And Joseph was going back. Because one day, one day, and we will see this day, his bones will rise again. He will rise again. And it's an echo of the great resurrection that we've got a hope that we do not die, but we live forever in Christ Jesus. And even there, there's an echo that, that Christ is speaking so powerfully in our lives. So let's stand together. One somebody said to me, how can you preach the life of Joseph in one sermon? And it's a good point. But I want you to pause now. And search your heart. This sermon won't connect with everybody in every way. Because you're all on journeys. But today you've come in this church and you're facing unexpected problems. And yet you've known God's voice. Can you trust God with the unexpected problems in your life? That you know what he's doing right now? Some of you, you've come into this church. Hmm. And God's put his finger on your sore points because he wants that character sorted out. Are you willing to bring repentance and healing and bring that character flaw under the guidance of God? Are you willing to give up your juvenile 17-year-old self and become the man and the woman of God that God called you to be? 
Some of you, you've been let down by the people that should know better. Well, yes, but it's time to let them go. They've let you down, but let them go and bless them. Let them go and move on. Some of you, you're here and there's nowhere to turn. Well, the good news is, turn to God. Because it's only Jesus that rescues us from the pit of sin and death and pulls us out. It's only Jesus that comes. You've done everything right, but now you're accused of doing wrong. And you're worried about the shame of the past. You're worried about the mistakes. With a true heart, give all the mistakes of the past up to the Lord. And let the Lord keep working in your heart. Don't let the past stop you. But now allow the joy of the Lord to be your strength. Allow the joy of the Lord to fill you. And to guide you. Father, I pray that whoever we are in this story, wherever we are in these stages, whatever we've been through, give us the courage to say, but the Lord is with me. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Bless us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.